Welcome to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for tuning in to us here at the 4 o'clock Eastern hour. Appreciate you doing that. You got one more hour if you're a 9 to 5 or don't give up yet. They're paying you for it. You got to sprint through the finish line here, all right? But uh, we're very thankful that you're including us along the way there, and hopefully we can get you to that point where you can call it a day and head home to, uh, to stuff that's more important. So thank you so much for hanging with us here on Dollars and Cents, again presented by North Main Financial. As I mentioned, my name is Joshua Doby. I'm a certified financial planner or a CFP professional. We're going to be talking on any number of subjects again here today. It's one of my favorite times of the year. I guess I should say it with some regularity because it's earnings season. I know for those of you who don't follow this kind of stuff as closely as, as we do here at North Main Financial, like what is earnings season? Well, this is the time when companies are announcing what their earnings are uh, for the quarter. And uh, so it's kind of exciting for us on our end of things because we get to see where folks are. Got some good ones, got some not good, not so good ones, but you're going to have to hang with us throughout the hour here as we bring that to you. But in doing so, we're going to be talking about different companies, different investment styles. We're going to be talking about funds, maybe even different uh, structures for investing. That in doing so, very, very important to remember that nothing that we're talking about here is intended as a specific recommendation for you. Meaning that even though we're talking on these companies and some we're going to be looking at in a favorable light, others are going to be looking at maybe a little bit more of a negative light. Again, it's not a recommendation either way to buy, sell, or hold those kinds of things. We strongly, strongly recommend that you reach out to your tax advisor to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial Group, love to hear from you. Love to chat about your particular financial situation and to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at northmainfinancial.com. That's north like the direction, main like the street, financial.com, northmainfinancial.com. We have a contact page on there. Leave us an email address or a phone number. Let us know the most preferred and desirable ways for us to contact you. Again, at northmainfinancial.com. All right, let's get into it here. Hot headlines. We've been using this, uh, this, this theme, if you will, rubric for all of you grammar folks that are sitting out there uh, when we're talking about what's hitting our headlines here, the kinds of things that may be on your radar screen. Certainly, they're on our radar screen. Also want to let you know, if you want to call into the studio here, perhaps you're seeing something on the headlines or you got a hot headline that you'd like for us to touch on. Can't promise all the time that we're going to get to it within the scope of the show, but certainly if I can include it uh, along the lines of what we're doing here, obviously I can't give you individual advice, you know that, all right? But I can talk about general kinds of things and certainly the kinds of things that we're seeing on our end. 844-STUDIO-4, that's 844-788-3464. 844-788-3464. Again, here in the studio, if you got something that's hot on the headlines you'd like us to touch on here, go ahead and give us a call. We'll see if we can include it. All right. As I mentioned, it's earnings season. Big time of the year. Now, it comes around four times a year. Actually, it's more like six, but I'm not going to get into fiscal and calendar year differentials. Uh, it happens to be the time when a whole bunch of companies are sharing their earnings. And we're really seeing uh, a very interesting number of, of movements here. Some of them expected, some of them not so expected. We're going to be talking about company names that you know, and uh, and we're going to be talking about the kinds of things that uh, probably are going to be indicative, at least in part, or at least among the variables, uh, indicating what we're going to be looking at market-wise for the balance of the year. That's a little teaser. I want you to hang around. That's probably what we're going to do here as we get a little bit later on the show, certainly into the second half of, uh, of this week's dollars and cents. But let's go ahead. I want to touch on a data point here before we get into specific company earnings. And uh, the chief, Justin, uh, during the uh, Good Morning LKN show, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to Good Morning LKN, tune in Mondays to Fridays, 7 and 9. We've got producer Bill and the chief, Justin, who are talking on all manner of things here, especially hyper-local kinds of things here in uh, in the greater Charlotte Lake Norman region. But, uh, but he touched on something just before they closed out today. 
a data point that, that's been high on my radar screen. I'm glad he mentioned it because it was something I wanted to mention here. And it's, it's concerning. It, it, and I don't, I don't make macros out of micros. You know that. So I'm not, I don't like to extrapolate too much on what I'm going to say next. But it's big uh, in terms of the number of folks that it impacts and how far it stretches outside of the norm. It has to do with automobile or car loans, uh, meaning loans that are taken out for the purchase of, uh, of a vehicle. We're starting to see an uptick. Actually, when I say we're starting, we've really seen it here over the last year or so, but now we've crossed a certain line in terms of the number of car loans which are delinquent. Now, I'm not talking about cars which have been repossessed at this point. Those numbers tend to lag a little bit. Those numbers also do tend to follow, not always, but they do tend to follow whenever we see delinquencies perk up. And when I say perk up, I mean, unfortunately, a larger number of folks who are greater than 60 days behind on their automobile loan crossed over the 6% major. And when we talk about 6%, we're talking about 6% of outstanding car loans, which are now delinquent or over 60 days due. And uh, and again, not an encouraging sign if uh, if you're tracking at home and you're watching these kinds of things like we watch them at North Main Financial, that's a three decade high, meaning hasn't been that high in 30 years. And again, I don't want to make a macro out of a micro, but obviously we're talking about a dramatic number of cars here across the country, uh, which are now folks are, be, are behind on their loans. We're seeing a number of other data points that, that happen to be lining up with, with those kinds of concerns. I'm not looking at the glass half empty. You've been listening to dollars and cents long enough. You know I'm a glass half full kind of guy when I'm looking at things, but I also do want to call things what they are. And uh, so when we look at that and we, then we look at the kinds of things like revolving debt on credit cards, which is, uh, which is up almost 30% here year over year, uh, we're lining up some things as far as the consumer is concerned. You know, I just, I pound on the consumer. Uh, and I do that in, in meaning in terms of looking at what the consumer is doing because the consumer is so indicative of what's happening in our country. Now, to remember, two thirds, three quarters, roughly in between there, between 66 and 75% of our GDP or our gross domestic product is how people spend. And and uh, we're going to be talking about the GDP. We've got a pretty crazy number here earlier uh, earlier today as of the time of this live broadcast, or if you happen to be listening to the recording. We're going to talk about that a little bit later in the show, and I'd uh, be interested to hear your thoughts on that as well. But coming back to the automobile loans here, and I am spending some time on it before we get into to the companies because it is something that we're watching very closely. Now, we want to be careful not to think in straight lines. You hear me say that all the time here on Dollars and Cents. And we often we'll talk about with regards to performance in the stock market, right? Market's going up. We tend to think that uh, the market's going to keep going up. Market's going down. We tend to think the market's going to keep going down. We do. Linear thought, not good uh, because things run in cycles. It happens to be true with regards to these data points as well with regards to, we're looking at automobile loans, but it's definitely something that we're keeping on our radar screen. So I want you to be aware of that. Also, before we leave the whole automobile industry, very important for us to, uh, I think, make you aware, if you're not aware already, because uh, we talked about the UAW, the United Auto Workers Strike against the big three uh, here in the U.S., General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis, which is the old Chrysler Dodge. Uh, there has been a report, uh, actually multiple reports uh, as of the time of this broadcast, that the UAW and Ford have come to a tentative agreement. And there is some speculation that that agreement will be used as a little bit as a benchmark by GM and by Stellantis to uh, resolve the strike uh, between the UAW and the big three. So that's that's big news. That's big news for certainly for the workers who are involved in, uh, in that strike, but then also with regards to hopefully uh, getting inventories back online for, uh, for, for domestically made cars. Uh, that's going to
going to be a big deal. So we're watching that as well. And that's, you know, especially when we're looking at pricing strength uh, with regards to automobiles. Um, if we get shorter on inventory, we get into a space where uh, inventories get tight again, like what we experienced there during the time of COVID. Uh, that can be that can be challenging. And we get really crazy stuff. I was talking with somebody today who was out looking for a vehicle and, and the ask price was $10,000 over the sticker thousand dollars over the sticker price. I mean, it's, my goodness, but we had it. We had it there during COVID. We had it even with, with housing, with real estate as well. Uh, during the time of COVID, we had you know, all these offers over asking uh, so that folks could secure the home that they desired there. We got away from that. We, that cooled off, which is good. That's healthier, but uh, but it's still out there. And certainly if inventories get tight, we might be seeing that again. So definitely on our radar screen there, definitely the kinds of things that we're keeping in mind when we're looking at what the consumer is doing. So, so important. We're going to be watching that as we get, especially as we get into the Christmas shopping season. I know it's going to be Halloween next week. I'm going to be talking all things Christmas after that. Appreciate so much. You're listening here on Dollars and Cents here on WSIC News Talk Now. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us into the second quarter football reference. We're going to be talking football again uh, here today. We've got our Panthers back online uh, this weekend. And uh, Producer Bill, I'm going to bring you in on this. Uh, there's, there's a nasty rumor going around, and uh, I'm hoping that you can dispel it for me. And it was presented this way uh, to me today. Our, our Hornets, uh, our NBA, so we're shifting a little bit out of, uh, out of the NFL for just a moment. Our Hornets started up play again this week, and NBA coming back online. And there was a remark made in my presence uh, earlier today uh, that said that uh, as of today, and the Hornets played their first game last night, that they may have more wins than our Panthers at uh, at this point. Now, I, I'm sure you're going to say that that was just a fallacy of somebody who's wanting to make me feel bad about <laughs> uh, about our beloved Panthers. And any truth to that? Uh, can you validate one way or the other? I was actually a witness oh. of the Hornets game last night. Okay. And I can confirm that they won. Yes. Okay, that's the. And but I, I will not I, confirm I, or deny. <laughs> <laughs> we'll I love get it how, done this week. I, lo I love how you stop there. You say, and I can confirm that the Hornets won. Yeah, that's, that's it. That's, that's all where, you got. And that's where it ends. I love it. Yeah. Now, we're, we're, we're ever hopeful for our Panthers this coming week here. They had an off week last week, coming yes. back online this week. And uh, I mean, it's beautiful in Charlotte this weekend. So we got we got to be, uh, we got to, the weather's good. Panthers are back online. It's going to be a good outcome. I'm sure of it. And we'll be talking about that next week. But thanks so much for hanging with us into the second quarter here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. And as I was going to break there, I was, I was talking on some things that weren't particularly rosy. And, and I don't do that with the intent, again, of looking at things unnaturally negative, but to make you aware of them. And uh, certainly with regards to the automobile loan end of things, that tends to be a fairly large macro indicator about where the consumer is. We're going to be watching that closely here through the next several weeks. All right. I told you we're going to talk about earnings season, one of my favorite times. I love doing it because we hear from so many companies that are talking about where they are from a quarterly standpoint. So if you're a publicly traded company, in most instances, you are required by the Securities and Exchange Commission to, on a quarterly basis, present your earnings or make public your earnings over the previous quarter. And if you're so inclined, you're also uh, able to give forecasts. Of course, a lot of analysts, a lot of folks in the market really, really like that. Folks like me really, really like that kind of thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rapid fire a little bit here through uh, through several of them, and I'll be touching on on fun stuff while we're doing it here. Let's start with Southwest Airlines. 
And before I do, uh, remember, this is not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold anything I'm going to be talking about here. Some I'm going to talk about positive. Other things will be talking about negative. It's not because I'm trying to induce you to buy, sell, or hold. Uh, everybody's situation is unique. Very, very important to do your own research and to make sure that, uh, that you make your decisions based upon your particular financial situation. All right, got through the caveat for all of our compliance folks, Southwest Airlines, uh, which, by the way, uh, producer Bill, the, uh, the ticker symbol uh, for Southwest Airlines, I think is one of the best ones out there. And uh, it is L-U-V, L-U-V. So the, the, the logo for, uh, for Southwest includes a heart, right? Yes. And, and, and so the, uh, the, the, the ticker symbol L-U-V, love. Love that. I mean, lo- I love that. I mean, I'm, that's, that's pretty cool. That's, that's one of those ones that, uh, that, that's pretty neat. We bump into them every once in a while. Like, that's pretty cool. You know? That is a nice one. It is. I mean, for right. General Motors, it's GM, Ford, it's F, okay? I mean, those, those are kind of predictable, right? I right. mean, L-U-V, yeah, we'll take it. Anyhow. Just the little things, yeah. Ju- just the little things. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, Southwest came out, and, and they, they had reasonable earnings, but it really was with regards more towards their forward-looking uh, kinds of expectations for the traveler. I don't think I need to tell you, basically, since the uh, restrictions due to COVID have been lifted uh, travel-wise, we have seen just an explosion of, uh, and that's metaphorical, obviously, uh, an explosion of travel uh, here over the last couple of years. And we've seen it with regards to the number of folks who are flying. But if you've been to any airport, if you have flown through or to Charlotte, Holy smokes. I mean, a lot of people out there who are traveling. And uh, and so we've seen a lot of that. We've seen it with cruise lines. We've seen it with hotels uh, where we're able to see that kind of data, especially the ones that are publicly traded out there where we can see that. I mean, it's just been amazing uh, to uh, to see the intensity of uh, of travel. Southwest, though, is not as rosy looking forward. They're looking uh, towards the end of the year. They're looking into calendar year 2024, ready or not, going to be here in less than a quarter. Hard to believe that. But uh, but they're looking into it not with the same kinds of rosy expectations that they have here over the last couple of years. That's interesting. That's another data point with regards to how consumers are spending. They list any number of factors. They talk about inflation. They talk about discretionary income for uh, the folks who would be Traveling, would be, that would be more the pleasure side of things. Uh, on business travel, they expect that to be relatively flat uh, to where they are this year. So, that, again, that's very, very interesting. You can see, uh, and you know, as a previous listener here to Dollars and Cents, watch the consumer closely. want to know what the consumer is spending, how much they're spending. Do they feel confident in spending? Do they lack confidence in spending? What are they doing otherwise? Very, very important. So we're watching that. And that was kind of interesting to hear that from Southwest. All right. Going to one, uh, well, you know now, as you're listening to hot headlines here on dollars and cents, we, we spend a fair amount of time talking about food. And, and uh, I do that intentionally. Uh, I, I love to eat. I know producer Bill uh, loves to eat. He's an aficionado. The chief Justin, he's a, he's a foodie as, uh, as well. So the next one, Hershey. Now, uh, producer Bill, are, are, you, uh, are you a candy bar kind of guy? Are you, or are you candy overall? I guess I should say that. I'm pro candy. You're pro candy. Pro I, candy. I, I'm glad to hear that because otherwise we would have had to end our relationship here. <laughs> right. But, uh, but Hershey came out with uh, with their quarterly earnings as well and, uh, and came out actually in, in a very rosy kind of way, uh, meaning that uh, very um, strong earnings, very positive, forward-looking growth estimates. Now we're talking about a large old company, so we're not we're not talking about a tech company. Here. We're not talking about you know double-digit earnings growth expectations. So a little bit different, you know, certainly from other kinds of companies that we, we'll be talking about here in a moment. But uh, but still good to see. Uh, still good to see that, and I'm glad folks still have good taste. Uh, Hershey's not the only one out there. Uh, there are several other excellent candy companies as well. But uh, I, for one, am very thankful that uh, that Hershey does what they do. And uh, Bill, producer Bill, have you ever been? 
been to uh, to Chocolate Town? Have you ever been to Hershey, Pennsylvania? Ever seen that set up? I mean, it's it's impressive. Yeah, I've been right outside of it. Okay, um, a couple of lacrosse tournaments. Yeah, there, but, yeah. Um, yeah, haven't been inside. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it literally, I mean, you're walking by, you can smell. Right. I'm, uh, I don't want to know who I'm going to become <laughs> once I'm in there. I mean, you'll see a an, plus 30-year-old guy go to little kid. J- j- you know what? You'll it, lose me. It's under, it's understandable. <laughs> I mean, the, the smell is captivating, right. and, and it literally is everywhere. It permeates the air because that's where uh, a significant amount of the production for uh, for Hershey's candy takes place. So uh, very impressive kind of setup there. And again, not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold. They just really make good candy. All right, in my opinion. Moving on here. Meta and Google, and I'm going to lump them together. So Meta, the old Facebook, Google, now known as Alphabet. I really should use them by their their appropriate names, but uh, but I'm lumping them together, A, because they are large database technology companies, obviously social media uh, emphasis for both of them. But both of them, very, very interesting. And, I, and I'm drawing the dichotomy here, especially coming off of talking about Hershey, because Hershey came through positively. And, uh, and looking at, at Meta and Alphabet, or the old Facebook, the old Google, and looking at their earnings, their earnings, frankly, and I, and I looked at the white papers, I read the scripts of the earnings calls, Frankly, I thought their numbers were pretty good, not only in terms of the revenue growth and earnings growth, but uh, but I thought, uh, you know, in terms, especially with where expectations were for both of those companies, I thought they were both reasonably good. And not to get too far down the path, but I mean, Meta and Alphabet are unbelievably profitable companies, meaning their cash flow is, I mean, the only one that's bigger out there in, uh, in, in my world is Apple. Apple. Apple almost prints money. It's No, they don't print money. Don't go around telling folks that I'm t- said Apple prints money. But it seems like they do with the amount of cash that they have on hand. Uh, Google and, uh, and Meta or Alphabet and Meta very similar uh, in that regard in terms of just magnificent cash flow. So I thought their, their earnings reports are fairly good. Boy, the market didn't think so. Market took a hammer to both of them in various degrees uh, right after that, primarily because of what they were saying about some notes of caution going forward. Now, it'll, it'll have to wait and see if it's going to be something that's, that's going to actually play out. But definitely there were a couple of notes of caution with regards to the consumer, coming back to the consumer spending. And what we can expect going forward, that really put the market on edge a little bit. Now, let's give a little context to this as well. You heard me say about Hershey, it's a larger, older company. It's you know looking for single-digit earnings growth kinds of things. You know, Meta, Google, those kinds of large technology companies, they function on a little different plane. And I don't mean it's better or it's worse. It's just different. And so the, the expectations of those companies sometimes are, especially when they've done well, and both of them have done well again this year. If you look at their stock price, it's been a very, very good year. Now, last year was a very very, very not so good year. So they had some recovery from that end of things, but still a very uh, large amount of gain in a short amount of time. Sometimes when that happens, you're going to see companies pull back if things aren't perfect. And you heard, you've heard me talk about this. You know, we, we think in straight lines, we do it, the investing public, we do, things are going up. So long as everything is quote perfect, then the price is going to continue to go up or to increase. And when, then when things aren't perfect, which by the way, happens with every single company, because no company is perfect, right? In, in perpetuity, no matter what. Uh, they may have a couple of quarters, maybe even a couple of years in a row, but certainly nothing in uh, in terms of longevity with that kind of idea. So inevitably, you're going to have something pull back. So the the pullback by the market, it could have been for any number of reasons on these t- uh, two kinds of companies, because it's extended across the tech sector in a lot of ways as well. 
Now, you heard me talk about the tech sector a lot earlier in the year, especially as it was leading the way. You heard me talk about the dichotomy in the markets or the two separate markets. We had the tech sector doing very well and basically everything else, relatively speaking, almost forgotten and in some cases notably negative for the year. This kind of recalibration, especially after a big run, is very, very natural. So I feel a lot of calls, a lot of emails, a lot of concerns about, oh my gosh, what does this mean? Yeah, the economy's going. Well, it doesn't mean anything in and of itself outside of the fact that the perfect expectations of the market weren't met. And that happens, especially after a stock's had a big run in uh, in pricing here. So it's, it's, it's important because these companies are huge. They have a huge impact over stock indices. They have a huge impact in terms of the funds uh, that own them and the institutions that own them. So very, very important for us to keep that in mind. But it doesn't mean in and of itself that, uh, that, that there's going to be this huge kind of pullback or anything outside of expectation. All right, let's keep going here. So when we're looking at, you know, again, the quarterly report end of things, one of the things that we watch uh, is certainly is our large um, uh, freight companies. When I say freight companies, two big ones, especially here in the U.S. You got UPS and you got FedEx. And then there are others as well. I'm not I'm not diminishing the DHLs of the world or anything like that. But FedEx and UPS pretty dominant here in, in the in the uh, freight movement business. And that's everything from a business envelope to large cargo on uh, on pallets that goes in, in big freight planes. So uh, when looking at it, though, UPS came through with, a, with, with not, not as good of earnings report as we would hope. More concerning, though, is what they're looking at with the consumer. And as we're coming into the Christmas season, I know I keep pounding on this, but it's definitely something that we're going to keep in mind, making sure that we understand what the consumer intends to do. Well, friends, so uh, we're going to take a few seconds here to hear from our sponsors while I catch a deep breath. I appreciate so much you listening to Dollars and Cents here on WSIC News Talk Now. Hello and welcome back to the second half of this week's version of Dollars and Cents. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much. Hanging with us into the second half. It's football season. You're going to get constant football references here. I'll tell you, if, if they would let me do it, and they would because they're so sweet here at WSIC, they might let me do it. I could I could probably talk football for the whole hour. You may even like it. Although Joe Berg, uh, our, our, our senior sports editor, may not be uh, as enthused about that kind of thing because I'm nowhere near the expert that he is on, uh, on all things sports. But I certainly do love football season, but we got the NBA started as well. We're probably we're going to get college basketball fired up here. I mean, it's it's kind of that confluence of time. We still got baseball uh, sitting out there. We got hockey uh, that's, uh, that's 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 fired up here. So I mean, it's 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 good to be a sports fan right now. I like it. I like it. So, all right, second half of uh, of this week's dollars and cents. And producer Bill, I feel like I need to uh, because we do like to talk all things food here. It doesn't really matter what the subject matter is. I do try to wrap it into things that are financial and economic. Sometimes a little challenging to. Uh, to do that, but that doesn't keep me from talking about food. I think it's important since Halloween is next week that uh, that we talk about the price of candy. Now we talked about Hershey's earnings. They came out with uh, uh, with some pretty rosy earnings and some pretty confident numbers. And in, uh, in looking forward, I got a couple of data points uh, for you, producer Bill. Uh, there is expectation that in terms of candy um, prices, meaning the cost of buying candy, were probably, for any number of reasons, mostly linked to inflation and commodity prices, going to be uh, going to be paying all-time record high prices. And that, at least in part, is due to the, these data points. So cocoa futures, so those that primary ingredient in chocolate, all right, chocolate-based kinds of things, hit a 44-year high uh, here over the last week. 44-year high. Now, uh, the, the measurement of this Producer Bill, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, the measurement of cocoa is done by the metric ton, meaning that the um, the measure, the standard measure for uh, for cocoa is a metric ton. 
I'm trying to envision in my head what a metric ton of cocoa looks like. I mean, it, that's got to take up a lot of space. I mean, we're not talking about a heavy thing, right? I mean, we're, I mean, it's that that's a lot of cocoa. Right. We got to get that into the studio. I think that's a, that's right. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, the first thing we got to do, and we could talk to the Chief Justin about this. First thing we got to do is buy it. And uh, metric right, at me record high price. At, at retro, yeah, thirty seven hundred and eighty six dollars, three thousand seven hundred eighty six dollars for a metric ton of cocoa. Uh, I would love to have a metric ton of cocoa here. Yes. Uh, I'm thinking about things like putting it in hot water with marshmallows and uh, and, yes. and having that uh, along here, or uh, or adding it to my coffee because I you know drink coffee nonstop <laughs> and put yeah. cocoa in it too uh, for a little chocolate I flavor. Like that. So uh, so anyhow, but uh, but yes, record high. So you know we're coming, we're in the Halloween season here, and Halloween is is You'd be surprised at the billions of dollars, that's billions with a B, the billions of dollars that are spent here in the country, uh, in the U.S., excuse me, with regards to uh, the Halloween holiday season. I mean, it, it's amazing. I'm not just talking costumes. I'm talking parties. I'm talking food. I'm obviously talking candy. I mean, it's it's intense. And uh, and so we're talking about, again, it, with higher prices now on uh, on all things chocolate. That must be why Hershey's feeling pretty good. About uh, about where they are. So now, now, Bill, are you are you chocolate candy guy, or are you more the 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 sweet like crunchy candy, or, or you you have no biases? I I don't have any biases, but yeah. I I will tend to pick up a Hershey or some M and M's. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like Hershey M and M's, Reese's. I'm weak. Uh, I what am can too. I say? You know what? And then especially when you when you combine those like chocolate and peanut butter, now, or, you, or or you do the sweet salty thing, let's say with pretzels or potato. Oh, I'm man. gonna ask you kindly to stop. <laughs> <laughs> he's see, he's so nice. Producer Bill's so nice. Like get back on subject here with what we're talking about. All right, but it is it is good to think about. It is Halloween, so uh, so we're talking about those kinds of things. But we're talking about hot headlines. Talk about those kinds of things that are uh, might be hitting your radar screen. Certainly, they're hitting our radar screen here at North Main. Financial. If you'd like to give us a buzz here in the studio, talk about uh, some of the hot headlines that you're seeing, things subject-wise that you may want to see, always happy to hear from. You can't promise we're going to get it in in this particular show, but certainly it'll be on my radar screen because we want to bring you the kinds of things that you want to know. 844-STUDIO-4, that's 844-788-3464. One more time, 844-788-3464 here in the studio if you'd like to chat about something in particular that's on uh, on your radar screen. All right, we're going to pivot here a little bit. We're going to go to a segment, uh, really, we've called it What to Know. And when we talk about what to know, obviously, that's a very broad and intentionally broad uh, kind of rubric, grammar folks out there, uh, in, in, uh, in talking about what we're going to look at next. But we're obviously talking about things financial and economic. And we try to make the subjects here for this particular segment, try to make them pretty broad. And that's intentionally so, meaning the kinds of things that many of you uh, may be engaged with or have engaged with it previously, or perhaps there's something coming up in your future where you're going to be doing. We've talked about, for example, we've talked about social security. We've talked about 401ks and retirement accounts. And today in the what to know segment, we're going to be talking about life insurance. Now, again, you got to hear from me. And I know I say this a lot, but you know, inevitably uh, I'll hear from somebody. Well, what is it? No, that's not in it. It's not a recommendation, right? It's not that everybody should have life insurance or that everybody shouldn't have life insurance. This is just a reflection on what life insurance is in very broad based terms. Life insurance, if you don't know, and I think most of you probably do, but life insurance is something that insures or a policy that insures somebody's life. Meaning that if somebody passes away while the policy 
policy is in place, there is a death benefit, which is paid out by an insurance company. And to have that policy, you pay a premium or a series of premiums or a series of uh, payments in order to be able to sustain that policy. Now, there are three major types of, uh, of, of life insurance policies. You've got term insurance, you've got universal life insurance, and you've got whole life insurance. And they're all very different meaning that how they're structured, and there, and there are several different variations on each of those three as well. So I'm giving you the broad-based terms. You may have something that doesn't fit maybe that nomenclature about, uh, about a style of policy, but it probably fits under one of those three. Term, universal life, and then whole life. Let's start with term. It's the easiest one. Term is pretty straightforward. That's usually uh, with a defined number of years, not always, but it usually has a defined number of years that the policy is in force if you continue to pay the premiums in the ways which are required. Could be five years, could be 10 years, could be upwards of 40 years when you're paying the premiums on that term policy. And, uh, and if you happen to pass away, if you are the insured person or the insured person happens to pass away during the time when that policy is in force, then the death benefit, as outlined in the policy, policy will pay out to the beneficiaries as indicated by the uh, insured or the owner of the policy uh, can be two different things by the way and uh, and will pay out at that time if it happens to happen during that term now if you have a 10 year term policy and you get to the end of the 10 year term and you decide not to either convert it or to uh, renew it with a different style of policy and uh, the insured happens to pass away 11 years afterwards then no benefit pays out so like i said it's during that term term tends to be the least expensive option, relatively speaking, in terms of cost. It's not always true, but generally speaking, most often term insurance, term life insurance, tends to be the least expensive. On the other side of that, you pay for just literally what you get. There are no savings components. There's no cash accumulation. There are no dividends paid. It is literally you pay for that coverage for a certain number of years, a term that, uh, that you have that policy in place. All right, we got term. I'm going to lump universal life and whole life together for just a moment because it's going to be easier to think about them just in terms of two parts instead of three for what I'm going to say next. With universal life and with whole life policies, sometimes they are called permanent insurance. What that generally means is, according to the structure of your particular policy, so long as you pay the premium required, that policy will stay in force as long as you're alive meaning that it will stay in place, again, as long as you pay the premiums, which are outlined in the policy, it will stay in place until you pass away. So not a term policy, meaning it's not just for 10 years or for 20 years or for 30 years, but rather it will stay in place so long as you pay the premiums until you pass away. Now, you can probably guess that because of that, those policies tend to be a little bit more expensive, meaning those policies have higher premiums associated with them. Doesn't make them right or wrong, good or bad, just makes them different as far as how they're put together. In addition to that, with universal life, and then certainly with whole life, you're talking about the possibility for cash accumulation inside of the policy, sometimes called a cash value. Sometimes folks look at it as, at it as a savings component inside of the policy. So a little bit different, so certainly than a term policy, you have a savings component associated with it. But of course, in order for that to take place, you have to pay a larger premium or a more expensive premium. Also, with whole life policies, many whole life policies, they will pay out what are called dividends, meaning dividends uh, because of your ownership of the policy, which may pay a part or even all of your premiums. As a matter of fact, we look at whole life, uh, when we look at uh, old whole life policies, which some of our clients have, in some cases, the dividends pay all of their premiums, especially if they've held the policy for a good long time. So it's very important to understand the differences. It's very important to take a look at, A, whether you need life insurance at all, 
And then B, if you're going to own life insurance, if you determine that you have a need, then what kind of policy works out best for you? And then folks say, well, how do I know if I have a need? Well, lots of definitions there, and you'll probably get as many different answers as there are financial advisors out there. But let me give you just a very broad sketch of what we use at North Main Financial. Recognize first, and you hear me say this caveat all the time, but recognize first that everybody's situation is different and unique. So when we're talking about here what to know, this is just broad-based kinds of things. Definitely want to take a look at it with your tax advisor, your financial advisor. You can reach out to us at NorthMainFinancial.com as well. But, uh, but when we're taking a look at, well, do I have a life insurance need, we often start with three big items. Doesn't always fit here, and often we're expanding beyond this whenever we're talking with folks about a life insurance need, but we talk about three big items. One, if the insured passes away, is there a need to replace income? meaning that is the insured the breadwinner or does the insured supply income for the family or are there folks who are dependent on that income that if it goes away that they're going to need to have it replaced. Second big item is debt, mortgages, car loans, student loans. We often talk about a desire and maybe even a need to pay those off in the event that the insured passes away. And then the third big item, this has to do with folks who have kids, are there college expenses that you'd like to cover off on? We include that as one of the considerations because that number is so big, meaning that when we're talking about, especially if you have multiple children, if the breadwinner passes away, do we want to have an allotment for college expenses? So debt, replacement of income, college expenses, if you, had ki if you have kids, that's where we begin to think about whether there's an actual life insurance need. And then do we look at term insurance? Do we look at universal life? Do we look at whole life? What makes the most sense? What fits the place best for the client where they are? with regards to the cost and benefit of what it is that we're considering. Well, I appreciate your attention on that. It's important. Life insurance is important, not for everybody, but definitely important as part of an overall financial plan. You're listening to Dollars and Cents here on WSIC News Talk Now. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. We're on the fourth quarter stretch run here. If you're if you're a nine to five, or you're, I mean, you could you can really you can taste it at this point, right? I mean, 12, 11 and a half minutes. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're you're practically there. Sprint through though. Don't quit on me yet. Don't, don't quit on me yet here at Dollars and Cents either. I appreciate so much. You're hanging with us here, listening to what we're talking about. We're talking about things financial. We were talking about what to know there in the last segment, talking about life insurance. It's not for everybody, but it can be for some folks who are in specific needs and have a need for uh, for that kind of thing. And then we were talking hot headlines before that. I mean, we, we got plenty of them. I mean, they're, they're just about as many as you can count out there right now, at least on my radar screen. Uh, and uh, certainly during earnings season here, talking about what companies are doing. And most importantly, food companies. And we were talking about the price. No, it's not saying that food companies are most important. We just like talking about food here at WSIC. But uh, but here in the fourth quarter, we, all, we always talk about the markets. I like to close out uh, here towards the uh, the end of the show, talking about where the markets are, talking about what we see. I, I got to mention a data point. Producer Bill brought it up uh, here at the front end of the show before we went on the air. And uh, I, I got to say it and I got to put it out there. And then obviously you can tell by the tone of my voice. And if you're watching us on the socials, you can see my, my body language that I'm definitely not leaning too hard into it because it is so far outside of beta or outside of expectation. Uh, we got a GDP number this morning and, uh, and we got unemployment figures. They were part, pretty much in line. So I'm going to skip over them pretty quickly. But, uh, but we got a GDP number growth wise, which was way outside of expectation. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even close. 
And, and that that's unusual, especially with how hard the Federal Reserve has been raising rates, meaning how much they've raised rates here over the last 18 months. To get a growth figure like what we got this morning, uh, just it, it just doesn't fit. It do, doesn't align real well. And you know me. I'm not going to make a macro out of a micro. It, it's, it, it is a data point, but I got to say it. It's GDP growth year over year, 4.9%. Four point. I mean that that's that's hot, and I and I and I mean that in the uh, I guess in the metaphorical sense because there's not a temperature component associated with it, but but it's it was way outside. We were looking at two point five uh, here at the at the previous reading. We were right around that expectation, so almost double. So we're we're watching that. Uh, the market definitely didn't like it because there was an expectation that with that kind of GDP growth figure that they were going to need to continue to step on the uh, the hammer as far as raising rates. Uh, in addition to what they've already done, uh, so the market definitely didn't like that in uh, in looking at that number. But it's one data point. So I'm watching it. We're watching it here in North Main Financial. I got to toss it out there to you because it was it just was an anomaly. It just didn't fit uh, with re- uh, anywhere close to uh, to expectations. So and as you know, what we do here at Dollars and Cents, we watch those data points and we look. Look at them together. So that if we get something that's really hot on the next one as well, well, then now we're going to start, maybe we're starting to build a trend in a, in a certain direction. So we're going to be watching that very closely. All right, markets. Uh, I don't need to tell you, especially if you're a more aggressive investor in the equity end of things, specifically if you have been investing in technology or technology companies or technology funds, uh, the early part of this year, for the most part, not everybody, for the most part, pretty fun right? Numbers going up, increasing, uh, kind of nice. Now you had a miserable 2022, so you need to make up some ground. But uh, but the front end of the year was uh, pretty nice. Actually, the first half, a little bit more than that, even to the end of July, uh, was pretty fun. Boy, if you came in the first week of August until right now, about mid-October, yeah, it's been miserable. <laughs> it has been, especially those things that have been doing well. I mean, there are some things that have pulled back significantly. I was looking at a white paper uh, here this morning, talking about the clean energy industry. So I'm looking at solar companies, I'm looking at wind uh, companies, just been hammered. And and that's not surprising. Uh, the, the alternative energy companies uh, tend to be highly leveraged, meaning they take out a lot of debt. That debt is much more expensive now because interest rates have risen so much. So you talk about a highly leveraged company with higher, you know, significantly, dramatically, two, three, four, five times the uh, the increase in capital expense. Those the the numbers aren't good because you're already talking about companies that probably aren't making a profit. At least most of them are not that are in the solar and wind business. Uh, whether you're talking about the technology end of things or they're in the manufacturing end of things in terms of producing the uh, the um, the fans for for so for excuse me for wind. Uh, or if you're talking about producing solar panels. So whether you're on the manufacturing or the technology end of things, tend to be highly leveraged, tend to get hammered uh, whenever uh, rates go up and we're seeing that. So that's been a pretty miserable end of that end of things. But uh, but what we have seen uh, is some rotation here to other parts of the market and, uh, and specifically to things that are a little bit more, considered to be more value-oriented. Now, in saying that, I'm, I'm using some pretty traditional metrics when I'm looking at those kinds of things. I'm looking at things like uh, consumer staples. I mean, we talked about Hershey, right? And that's not a consumer staple, but it's a consumer. Uh, it is a consumption item. I, I know I'm talking about food. It must be late in the day. I mean, I keep coming back to food, Bill. Um, you know, I, I'm going to have to talk to uh, to the chief justice. We're going to have to put like a, a, a jar of, of candy here or 
Um, maybe maybe Diet Coke. I don't know what it is. I mean, if you got ideas, you I'm have open to, to you have to relax because I'm here all the time. And that, <laughs> that is danger. I, I mean, but, that you know, that's fair. You but know, I'm, but I'm willing. You're, to, you're willing, willing to be to open try. to the idea. Yeah. We're gonna have to put it under a time lock or something. Yeah, so that, you know, kind of like we do with pets. You know, you only get so much food at certain right. parts of the day, right? Okay. Anyhow, I appreciate. I'll, just, I'll be standing by there. Uh, <laughs> wait, waiting for the time to tick right. by. Yeah, that, that does, that's what I'd be doing. The same thing. All right. So, but we're talking about the kinds of things that, that are out there market-wise that are doing a little bit better than what they were earlier in the year. We're starting to see some of that rotation, but not much. I got to bring up regional banks and, and I'm bringing up regional banks uh, for several different reasons. First of all, uh, earlier this year, they obviously got pounded as we had the issues with Silicon Valley Bank and a couple of other banks, which were taken over by the FDIC. There was some extrapolation is probably the best way for me to describe it about other regional banks, smaller banks, uh, not being able to sustain because of either large exposure to commercial real estate loans, uh, concerns about whether they were able to attract additional loan business with needing to pay out so much in terms of deposit interest because rates had risen so much. So I don't want to get too, too into the weeds on that, but regional banks, frankly, have been hammered. And, and we've been watching them very, very closely uh, because we're trying to pick out the wheat from the chaff, if you will. And, uh, and it's been it's been interesting to watch. Uh, frankly, if you'd asked me about it, if you'd asked me about it earlier this year, I probably would have said that we would have had some recovery in the regional bank sector by this point, or at least we'd be moving in that direction. Not true. A lot of those down 20, 30, 40, 50% or more. And, uh, and so that's, that, that's a big deal. That, that's, that's not the kind of thing that, it, that is particularly usual. But we're also seeing it with larger banks. So now I'm looking at Bank of America, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan Chase, you know, the large, let's call them legacy style banks that are out there, also not having a particularly good year. And so we're looking at that. And we're looking at where we are interest rate wise. We're looking at what we're seeing in terms of some of the slowdown of consumer spending, not across the board, but definitely some of the slowdown in consumer spending, federal student loan payments coming back online. And so we're, we're approaching this with caution. And I know you've heard me say that. I'm going to keep saying it. Maybe it's always true. Uh, I, 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 I can't disagree with you there uh, that we're always cautious. But let me say it from the standpoint that we see that there could be some headwinds, which would really cool things off uh, a little bit from where we are. And, uh, and so we're watching that. And, th and then you get outlier data points like what we had with GDP this morning. You're like, okay, that doesn't really go together with anything else that I'm saying here. And, and that's true. And that's why we don't get too um, moved by those, those outlier data points unless we get some other outlier data points to start to line up with and we start to build a trend. And so that's why we watch it so closely. So coming into the fourth quarter here, we're watching the consumer very closely. You've heard me talk about the consumer pretty much nonstop today. And, and, and I do that for a reason. I, I do that because it's so indicative of where we are as an economy, where the, the confidence level is, and what we can expect in terms of company earnings going forward. Um, I mean, one of the things that, uh, that we're watching very closely, you hear me talk about this Christmas retail season, you know, where are we going to end up? Are folks going to feel confident in, uh, in spending for Christmas retail season? Are they feeling the pinch from a cash flow standpoint? So they're going to be more modest in terms of what they're, uh, what they're buying. Uh, it's not the only marker, but it is a marker in determining a little bit about where the consumer is. So we're watching that very closely. We're going to start getting that data. I mean, Halloween next week, uh, uh, producer Bill, I feel like we almost skip over Thanksgiving anymore. I mean, and I like Thanksgiving probably because the food. But I, I really, <laughs> I mean, I, I love Thanksgiving. But I mean, once once Halloween decorations get put away, I'm, well, I can't even say that. I mean, I, I went into, what was it? Lowe's, Home Depot, some, the Christmas yes. trees. 
Yes. I mean, literally in the front. I mean, as soon as you walk in, Christmas trees. Right. I mean, they're, they're like, they're skipping right over Halloween. We're not we're already done with it. Right. Already. <laughs> we haven't even had it yet. We're, we're not even, uh, yeah, I think, I feel like Thanksgiving's getting blown uh, blown over a little bit. Oh, I, uh, won't, I won't miss it. I'll, I will not miss yeah, it. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll, I'll miss a lot of things, but I will never miss dinner. That's, there's no doubt about that. Anyhow, so we're, we're going to get into it, though. We're going to get into Christmas season. We're already in it. What, what are we talking about? We're already in it. Uh, but uh, certainly in terms of consumer spending and the kinds of things that are up high on the radar screen from a consumption standpoint, because so much of that is indicative of where we are GDP-wise uh, in our in our country. So, all right, let's uh, let's do a, a, a wrap here uh, because we're we're getting to the end of uh, of this week's show. But I want to spend a couple of seconds in talking about just where again market-wise things are, and I want to look at interest rates. Now, you've heard us talk about this. A lot. And and for the obvious reasons, right? I mean, we, we're at a space interest rate wise now. We haven't been here in almost two decades. And, and we knew that this was going to happen. And I don't say because we have some great knowledge that nobody else has. That's not what I'm saying. But when the Federal Reserve came out about a year and a half ago and said, basically, here's where we're going. Hold on. Uh, those are my casual words. But that's pretty much what it's been. Uh, but we've moved uh, more in interest rates here over the last 18 months at the speed that we've moved more than any time in our history. And that's big. Now, it's, it's great if you're looking at high-yield money markets or CDs in terms of you know, now finally getting some ROI on those kinds of things. I mean, I was just looking at CDs uh, on behalf of a client here just shortly before I came on air uh, here today. I mean, we're looking at one-year CDs that are north of 5.5%, sometimes even 6%. And when we're look when we're looking at that, and we're looking at okay, well, you actually now it's because inflation has been higher primarily because of the, uh, the rapid rise in interest rates that's pushed by the Federal Reserve, but it's out there. Money market rates four percent, five percent, very interesting. Not everybody. We'll talk about that in a separate show here on Dollars and Cents about about why not everybody can offer those kinds of rates, but we're seeing it in certain places, and so that changes the landscape. That changes where folks are investing their money. Now you can get some ROI in things like C. CDs and money market accounts, perhaps that some of that money was in the market, the stock market previously. So as you can sh see, it begins to shift the dynamic and it creates a different landscape, frankly, one that we haven't had in more than a decade and a half. So very, very interesting. We're watching that dynamic. We're watching money flows to see what that means for the consumer and for the markets going forward. Well, friends, as always, it's a pleasure to be with you here on Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until the next time, I'll look forward to chatting with you soon. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, W290DK, Mooresville, Lake Norman, North Charlotte.